So today we have Judith Adaya with us, who is a chemistry graduate at the start and has, has got an interest and expertise in digital marketing, food and nutrition, as well as being a very keen and exciting entrepreneur in this space. So Judith is going to come and talk to us today about something of her journey and her interests in and around the, the gut-brain access and how food and nutrition affects mental health. Judith, welcome. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. So, Judith, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Okay, so um, I live in Derby at the moment, um, and I've moved from uh, London in the last few years. And uh, yeah, over the years, I've had um, issues with my health, which I've managed to um, overcome through research. So that's, that's what's brought us together here. So that, yeah, in a summary, that's, that's yeah. it about me, yeah. So what, what specifically was some of the issues that you, you experienced along the way? Okay, so uh, my upbringing was back in Africa. And um, when I was about 16 years old, um, my dad had kidney issues. And um, he had to come to the UK to get a transplant. And during that time, I noticed some changes in me in terms of the way I was processing um, learning. And I would notice that I'll have a brain freeze during examinations, but I didn't know why. I was doing very well academically up until then. And then there was this sudden change and I didn't know why. I, you know, I explained to my mom and my friends, nobody understood why I was feeling like this. And, and this went on for two years and I, I barely passed my O-levels. That's, that's the type of examination we took um, in Africa at that time. So, um, well, I didn't pass my, all the subjects I needed to pass in order to pursue a chemistry course for A-levels. Um, so my dad, who was living in the UK at the time, suggested that I come over and carry on with my education because I was born here. I just did, didn't grow up here. So I was able to come over and carry on, carry on with my education. And unfortunately, when I came, he was... Um, he had just had a kidney transplant and he went into coma at the time I arrived. And um, he did pass away uh, three days after I got here. And I think that, you know, made situations worse for me, unknown to me, because I didn't know what was happening to me at the moment, at that time. You know, I tried to get on with my life, you know, and you get on with things that you expect. But um, things didn't go well. In fact, I was hitting one hurdle after another, which were causing more stress. And um, during this time, I, I was having um, brain freeze still, so my A-levels didn't go very well um, because I would forget everything I'd learned in the exam room. And yet, if I was given a coursework, I would do really well and get a very good percentage. So I, would, I realized there was something not, not quite right um, and nobody knew how to help me either. Um, 
And that just went on, mm. uh, went on for a while. And, yeah, that, and, yeah, sorry, go on. So that, that sounds, you know, it's, it's like a pretty um, traumatic period of your time, of your life. Yes, um, it did. And so what happened after that? So after that, well, I couldn't pass my A-levels, um, which meant, you know, pursuing a degree was a problem. So I, I had to do a foundation course um, first in order to do the degree, you know, and that opportunity came, which I took. Now, what I did notice was that at that time, you know, the foundation course was not exam-based, it was course-based. And even with the exam, you didn't sit in a very long hall, the traditional, it was just your classroom setting. And you were, you know, you just did your exam in the classroom. So it was a familiar setting. And I noticed that I did extremely well uh, and I was able to um, do my degree. Yeah. And I, oh, yeah, so, and during my degree, I did well in my coursework, but when it came to exam, came to exams, I was still having the same problem. So yes. That, that, that sounds really um, familiar in, in terms of um, the research that people have done in, in terms of stress and traumatic experiences with, with children. Where mm. It's like the brain freeze happens, and, and we, we've discussed this before, I think, where your amygdala gets so hype, hijacked you're hypervigilant, it doesn't feel like it's secure, it doesn't feel safe, and that all the learning that's in there just gets shut down. And it's not that you haven't learned the stuff, but it's because the, the brain gets hijacked. It's, it's the blood flow switches from your cortex into your amygdala. And sadly, this seems to be what happened to you at the time. It's very interesting you said that because nobody knew this. You know, I even spoke to my lecturers at the university and none of them understood that. So it's really interesting to hear what exactly happened to me. Yeah. yeah. So what what happened as you, you developed and you 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 got older and you passed your exam your degree, etc. Carry on with what happened with, with the story then, Judith. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so I, I barely scraped a pass in my degree, I must say, and that was because my coursework was so good. Mm. And although I didn't have, I didn't do very well in the exam, I was still able to pass. So um, I went into teaching after uh, my degree. So I did a teacher training and fortunately enough, I didn't have to take exams. So I was able to do that. So that's, that's what I ended up doing. And that was not what I planned to do. In fact, I planned to become an, um, uh, sorry, an ophthalmologist. Right. But because I could not pass my exams, um, I couldn't do it. Even pharmacy, I thought, okay, maybe I can't do ophthalmology. Let's try pharmacy. I, no, I couldn't pass my exams. So teaching was a good route for me because I didn't have to take the exams. Yeah, um, I could just do a teacher training. It was a hands-on thing. Yeah, and I really enjoyed it because I always had a passion for children as well as having a passion for science. So teaching brought that together for me, which was a good one. And and so, what age group are you are you involved with, with the teaching side? I'm involved with primary age children. 
Okay. Yeah, I've always been, yes. And I, I think we, we, the last time we spoke before this um, interview, you mentioned the idea of these kids being um, very excitable, very stressed, um, and things that you did to help along the way. Can you just explain what, you, what your role is in that? Yeah, so when I got into teaching, um, I noticed that I always had, um, I will always draw close to children who were having problems with their learning. So they would have, have behavioral issues or they will be maybe um, fostered yeah. children. You know, I always felt myself drawn to those type of children. And, and there's been occasions where I've had to teach very challenging classes and trying to get over their behavior problems in order to teach them was a big hurdle for me and it was a big learning curve at the same time. And I had to come up with strategies of managing behavior so that I can get through to the learning. Uh, and, you know, I would have calm music sometimes to calm down, calm them down. Um, praise was very important. And I found that telling them that they can do it and assuring them and bringing out the best out of them by proving to themselves that they can do it, do it was, was a very good way of getting the attention and helping them to focus with their learning and controlling behavior. Yeah. So that, that's interesting that you use. So would you have music on all the time or would you have music at the start of a lesson? So how, how did that work? Usually I'll have music on before the children walk into the classroom. So it, because they've been playing and running around and, you know, you know, shouting, which was a very different atmosphere compared to what's expected in the classroom. I would set the atmosphere by putting on a very calm music, um, just instrumental music, no voices in the background or anything like that. And then that helped calm them. And also when they line up, I'll make sure they are all lined up straight, calm, mm -hmm. and I'll explain why I'm asking them to do that. It's not just teachers like to have straight line, but it's just to set the mind ready for learning and walking calmly in the line and not running in the line. There was a purpose to that. So once the children understood why I was doing it, it was just easier to follow. Yeah, so that helped, yeah. And sometimes we'll have yoga as well. I'll put, you know, cosmic kids or, you know, yoga something and we'll do yoga before the lesson. And usually it would be the afternoon lessons after break because their breaks were longer. Yeah. Children were walking very tired and all that. So we'll do a bit of yoga before we carry on with the learning. So that, and it's always helped. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. Certainly with, with the research we've been doing with, with stress and trauma in children where... Um, they, they are so up, so it's a bit like these kids are up a ladder and you're trying to get them to come down so that the, you have a chance to teach them something. Yes. I, I do kind of um, have a lot of sympathy for, for teachers and the positions that, that you're put in where you've got to teach something, but you've got to do a little bit of psychology, you've got to, to help kids. And you have no idea what's going on in somebody's home, so you can't you can't delve into that depth. Yeah, the strategies that you employ are to help the the mind focus, help them to feel safe, to explain why you're doing these things, 
Um, and it, it does help. I'm sure it helps where you, you're doing yoga. So part of the research in, in it is that our bodies encapsulate or trap or hold some of the feelings inside and, and being aware of your body, even with kids, that you don't have to have an understanding of it, but mm. to experience it, there, there is a release. And I, I, I think it's, it's pretty good that you're able to do these things, Judith. Yeah, it was purely out of trial and error. I think with my science background, I was experimenting with the kids a bit and seeing what was working and what was not working and adapting until we get it right, yeah. And successfully so too. Thank you. <laughs> More than I guess um, a lot of other teachers who, who are not able or not willing to experiment in these ways. So I, I think you, you said before that sometimes you would be given the, the, the more difficult classes to, to deal yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, I had a reputation of having the most challenging class in the school, yeah. <laughs> Which is, is good that somebody does, but I guess from, from a personal perspective, it, it makes it much harder for you. It did, it did. There were many times that I wish I had less than 30 kids so I can concentrate on them better. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's segue in, into the, um, the gut now and, and the, the nutrition side of it. E explain to people listening where, where that, how that evolved. Okay. So even during um, my teaching career, um, the problem I mentioned about when I was um, studying um, carried on, you know, because of the nature of my job, it was very stressful and and I think it, it, it did make things worse for me. So I noticed I was having a lot of gut issues. Um, I had a lot of indigestion. Um, I had constipation uh, for a very long period of time. And in the course of that, you know, having a family, looking after my family and my children had um, developmental delays as well, which were you know, quite challenging to deal with and, you know, work full time. So it, it just made the gut issue worse. So I started developing what I now realized was panic attacks. See, I, I was, you know, ignorant of things to do with mental health and all that. And having, a, a, you know, my upbringing in Africa, you know, Mental health was quite looked down on, you know, if you had mental health, mental health issues, you would want to hide it. Right. You know, it's not something you would openly discuss. So I kept it to myself for quite a long time and tried to deal with it. Um, and I didn't even know what I was trying to deal with, to be honest, because I didn't even know what was wrong with me. All I knew was there was something wrong. Um, I was constipated most of the time and I just thought, okay, that's why how my system is. Maybe I'm just have that sort of system. <laughs> I didn't even know it was something to do with stress or yeah. anything yeah. like that. And then I went to the dentist. Usually they would say my teeth are very healthy. I'm doing very well looking after my teeth. And there was just one location I noticed I was bleeding, you know, my gum were bleeding. And I tried to use stronger mouthwash you know, specifically for stopping bleeding and it, it didn't go away. So I decided to see the dentist. And surprisingly, I was told that my gum was receding. 
And if I did nothing about it, I was going to lose my teeth. You know, I couldn't imagine my career um, without teeth, to be honest. But it did sh shake me. Um, and I decided to do further research and find out how I could treat my gum so that my teeth don't fall out. So, um, yeah. Sorry, did you, did you get any help when you went along to, to GP practices, etc.? What happened when you went there? Yeah, so I, I remember having this problem with my gum. I, I went to the GP. They said, go to the dentist. Um, yeah. So I went to the dentist. Um, at that time, I was also having um, palpitations. Now, I didn't, all I noticed was my heart was beating very fast, faster than normal. So that's, I went to the GP for that and I was given um, a heart monitor um, and I had to sleep with it for two days. So I wore this thing for two days and uh, it were, I took it back to the hospital to be monitored. The results came back normal. And all these times I was doing blood tests, I was doing all sorts of uh, tests and they were all coming back normal. And I knew that there was something quite not quite normal about me. And, I, and that's what made me uh, research further because why are tests coming back normal when I know that something is wrong with me? Yeah. You know, so yeah, I started researching. So the system wasn't helping you at all? No, no. no. Even with the dentist, I was just told if you do nothing about it, your teeth will fall off. They didn't tell me what to do about it. I had to go and find out myself what I could do so what what discoveries did you make along the way that, that helped move your 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 mental and physical health so um the first thing I found out was leaky gut and I thought oh what is leaky gut what's leaky gut yes what is leaky gut yeah and then I found out that it's as a result of inflammation in the system and, and the fact that you're not able to absorb nutrients properly when your body is inflamed, when your gut is inflamed. And you, because you have leaky gut, you don't have, your body starts conserving the nutrients that you have to feed your vital organs. And your gum and things like that will start losing nutrients because they are not so important for your body to survive. And I'm thinking, okay. So that could be my, the reason why my gums are receding because they are not getting the nutrients they need. And I said, okay, how can I deal with leaky gut? What can I do to stop this leaky gut? So that was my next research. Yeah, and, and what did you find out as you went along, Judith? So I found out that um, if I took fermented foods, um, they would help build the good bacteria because the bad bacteria in the gut are the ones that um, cause the leaky gut and cause the inflammation. And what I did notice, funny enough, was that I was craving a lot of things that were not nutritious. Because of the nature of my job, I was under a lot of stress, I did not feed my body properly. I was skipping meals sometimes. I didn't always have time for breakfast. Um, and so I was not feeding myself. I would have biscuits handy so that I would just shove it into my mouth when I'm, <laughs> I'm starving so I can carry on working, you know. So I have biscuit on in the left 
and my right hand was marking books and things like that, you know? And so I noticed that because I had this bad bacteria, bad bacteria want to be fed things that would keep them alive. So I was craving this things that were feeding the bad, bad bacteria, but not the good <laughs> bacteria. So I realized that if I start eating some fermented foods, that will start feeding my good bacteria and then they can increase. I also learned about prebiotics and the fact that they can feed the good bacteria. Mm -hmm. um, so that, those, were, those were the things that I started um, using. And then I noticed that organic foods do play an important role in our diet. So I started incorporating a bit of organic food because they were expensive. I just, you know, had a budget and yep. I was spent that budget on organic food and mixed that with the food that was normally, but I, um, I would normally buy. But what I did try to do was eat more vegetables because I didn't have any taste for vegetables and I had to find a way of getting back, putting more vegetables into my body and some fruits. Yeah, that, so that's interesting on a lot of different fronts. Um, I know, for instance, that, that when, when we're stressed, we tend to reach for sugary foods uh, because mm. you need the mental energy. You need something to keep you going when everything else is saying, I'm tired. I've got a lot of work to do. And we tend to reach for sugary foods, which gives you that dopamine rush. Mm. But the, the problem with dopamine rush is that once you get hit the high, you hit the low on it, the lows seem to be a lot lower than where you started. So you need to have more and more of the dopamine, the more of the sugar, and suddenly people are saying, oh, you know, I put on all this weight, but I don't know why. I don't know if you found that. Oh, you know, I'm nodding so hard because I can identify with what you are saying. Yeah, I did put on a lot of weight, I did. But I was never a big person anyway. So even if I gained weight, people would not see me as overweight. Yeah. But I was, you know, 17 kilos heavier than what I'm, I am now. Um, so, yeah, I did gain some weight, definitely gained weight. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you're a lucky person if, if you can gain and lose 17 kilos and, and nobody can say you're, you're obese because not many of us, including myself. Yeah, that's true. Could say that. So I'm interested in well in the, the idea that so you've used um, fermented foods, you you've changed your, your diet in terms of, of sugary stuff, and you looked at pre and postbiotics as well. Yes. Did that have any effect on, on your mood or your mental health? They did. They did. So the, I would you know I was trying to treat my gum. You know, and I knew that, okay, gum and teeth had something to do with sugar. So maybe I need to cut down on sugar. So that's where I started from. And then as I researched, I realized, okay, I need to put in some vegetables. I need to put in some fruits and not just cut the sugar. So I did that. And I noticed that the palpitations were gone. Oh. Um, I was having panic attacks with driving at the time. You know, that was one thing that sent me to the doctors as well, because I would be driving and the car would feel tilted. You know, the car would feel as if I'm driving it on two wheels rather than four. 
you know, and I, I thought as if the car was going to capsize. Sometimes when I'm, I was stepping on the brakes, it would feel like I'm crashing into something and that would bring huge fear over my body and it would disabilitate me and I'll have to stop the car because I, I didn't feel safe driving. Um, so that also sent me to the doctors and I noticed that actually I wasn't feeling like that. When I changed my diet, I thought, this is interesting. Wow. You know, I was wow. like, oh my goodness, I'm trying to sort my gum out, but I think I've solved the issue of this palpitation and panic attacks as well. And I showed my friends and they were equally amazed. They were equally amazed. But what I, what I did struggle with was maintaining that diet because I had introduced, you, introduced it so quickly. Mm -hmm. Trying to maintain it was very difficult for me because I was eating it like I was taking medication. <laughs> it didn't feel like food. I had to take it because I want to be well. Um, I didn't feel that I was really enjoying, <clears throat> sorry, what I was eating. So it would work So when I stopped, hours. yeah, when I stopped, I, I, I slowed down after a while, sorry. <clears throat> Yes, sorry about that. I slowed down after a while and I noticed that I was beginning to have the palpitation and I could feel the panic attacks coming back. And I'm thinking, okay, so it is food dependent. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I, I begin to look into ways of making it more practical, more enjoyable. So finding different ways to cook my food. But then I came across some supplements as well. And in fact, um, Taking pills was not my thing. I, you know, <laughs> I never liked taking medication. If the doctor gave me any medication, I'll probably take it once a day. That was the best I could do. If I had to take any pill three times a day, twice a day, I can guarantee I would forget one or two. <laughs> you know, so even when I was giving medication, yeah. they were not working very well because I'm not following. <laughs> what I'm supposed to do you know I just struggled to take medication so finding supplements that could help me as I built the habit of you know healthy eating was very good in maintaining my mental health and you know helping me along that journey yeah definitely and I think that that's a key thing that you just mentioned Judith is the idea of building the habits and habits we, we all, I, I've, I've done that before. You, you think, oh, I'm going to, you know, go to the gym. And then a month, I'd like to say it was more than a month, but it was a month and, and you think, oh, no, I for, why have I not been to the gym for three, three weeks, four weeks? Because I've, I've never built it in as a habit. And mm -hmm. it takes time. So using supplements as an adjunct, as a way of, of helping you keep going, while you're building all the other good habits in your life is, is I think, key to a lot of people, that, that we need some help along the way while we're doing the other stuff. Yes, definitely, definitely, yeah. I also like the, 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 the comment you made about organic food because Organic food we could talk about for hours, and I'm sure yeah. you know as well as I do. The nutritional value of food has gone down, 
Yes. Because of the different um, ways in which farming has gone. But also, like you say, you know, most people can't afford to, to have a fully organic meal because the cost is, is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So one of the things I've found is, is there's a website that does the, the healthy dozen and the, and the dirty um, 15, where there's certain types of organic foods which are more beneficial or certain foods that are more resistant to pesticide um, being still, the residues still being on the food. Mm. So there's some foods, for example, like strawberries. If, if I'm going to have a strawberry, if I can, I'd have an organic strawberry. Whereas um, an apple, you, you're going to find less pesticide on it. So it's, it's good. You, you found this along the way as well. Yeah, that's interesting with, uh, with that website because I, was, I hadn't researched so much into that sort of thing and I didn't even realize. So as far as I, what I did read about the way was that um, fruits or food that had skin that you could peel off, you could get away with um, not having the organic version. So for example, bananas. But, you know, I didn't re research, you know, into detail about it because I was so budget driven. I was just going to the shop and see, oh, I can afford organic version of this one. So I'll get that one. Yes. So, but it's very interesting to hear about your website. And I think you've shared that with me before. And I found it, yes. you know, yes. really useful in terms of what type of organic foods that I should be buying to make it worthwhile you know, buying, yeah. Yeah, we'll put a link up to that website um, at the yeah, end. Yeah, that would be good. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but also, like, I, I think it's good that you say that it's the stuff that you can peel that is, mm. is less likely to have the, the pesticide residue. Um, and I think that's important so that as you go along, you, you think, well, not every piece of fruit or vegetable is the same yes in terms of pesticide residue and I don't know if you've done this but I, I found this as well that um, rinsing the stuff that we buy uh, the non-organic stuff in bicarbonate of soda or leaving it oh. to soak is there's a huge amount for reducing the, the levels of pesticide which can drop by up to 20, 30, or even 40%, depending on which vegetable you, you're rinsing it in. And, and it's helpful because like say, not everybody has their, their budget that can afford a full organic meal, but yeah. most of us are able to afford a plastic bowl and to just leave stuff soaking in it and rinse it off. That's true, yeah. I use that um, as well. I've, I've not heard about the bicarbonate of soda, so I'm going to try that. Yeah. What I do do a lot is vinegar. I, I wash my vegetables in vinegar. So I think it's the same um, effect. So yeah, I tend to, re or, you know, the least, least I could do is salty water. You yeah. know, wash it in salty water or, or vinegar and before I cook it, definitely, even with my chicken and things like that. I would I wash them in vinegar. I'm yeah. going to take that tip. I'm going to borrow that tip from you because I've not done that one either. Oh, wow. Okay. So we, we just shared something useful between you and I here. 
Yeah. A little bit of diluted vinegar would probably do the same. Yes, yes, diluted vinegar, yeah. Yeah. So how else have you noticed um, the, the food and the nutritional side helping your daily life? Right. So for me, I've, you know, with the supplements I've been taking, they've had a nutritionist on board and they, you know, he's been given coaching with food um, and how to complement that with supplements and exercise. Mm -hmm. And I found that really useful because all through this journey, I've been doing it on my own, you know, and just trying to find out what works for my body. And I've noticed a surge in my energy levels. And it's just taught me how to eat carbohydrates in general. You know, having coming from an African background, you know, I was brought up to taking a lot of carbohydrates, yeah. you know, very starchy ones sometimes, you know, and I would notice that I would just, you know, feel sleepy after eating most of the time and my energy level was something that was of concern to me although I no longer had this mental health issues I did have um, a lot of um, cognitive behavioral therapy mm -hmm. you know loads of sessions I must have had like four or five sessions but until I made that consistent change in my diet I was not seeing the full effect of it you know but once I made that change in my diet my last session only lasted for, you know, I just had three sessions in my last block yeah. of session. Yeah. And then the therapist said, I think you're doing great. I think you can manage. And I was even surprised that he said that. And this was like over two years ago. And I've never had to go back, you know, because I've made these um, changes along the way. Uh, yes. that's, that's really important that the idea of shifts in mental health at least in, in your instance, where it is diet-related. And sometimes we, we tend to ignore that and we think, oh, yes, somebody says, well, you, you need to go for counselling. And I'm not knocking the counselling bit because yeah. the important thing that you mentioned as well is, is that you, your use of supplements has also involved some element of coaching. Mm-hmm. That to me, the big piece when I look at it with, with people, they say, if you're making the, a change, the bigger the change you want to make, the more help you will need along the way. Because isolation kills. Mm -hmm. it, it will kill every desire, every initiative, because we can't make big changes on our own. We're not designed to do, to do these things. So... It's fascinating your journey and how it highlights some of the stuff that is so important. And I think Thank you. that that's what you're trying to do as well with people is, is not just say, okay, well, this, this has helped me, but this can help you and I'm willing to help you along the way. So that's fantastic what you're doing, Judith. Thank you so much. Yes, because of the journey I've been in, I said, why should everybody go through the same thing? Yeah. You know, if I if I can find a way to help them jump the loops and get help straight away and start making the changes they want to make, why not? You know, so that that's what I try to do. Fantastic. So, Judith, as, as we come down to the end of this, uh, where can people find you? 
So people can find me um, on LinkedIn at the moment. You know, I'm trying to get a website together where everything will be comprehensive and I'll be leaving a free gift for people. So it will be just a PDF document on how they can help to improve their gut. And, and they can go on my email list and I'll be able to send them weekly information. But that is underway at the moment. It's not quite ready. So if they stay in touch on my LinkedIn, um, profile, they visit my LinkedIn profile under features um, and they just keep looking, uh, I will be posting um, further information there. Fantastic. Judith, it's been great talking to you and um, it's been quite inspirational your journey. It's it's really good that, that you have shown a lot of initiative and, and perseverance in what you do and furthermore you're, you're more than willing to share it with other people. So it's- been Yeah, thank you. Okay. Yeah, so I believe the my LinkedIn um, link will be left below the comments as well. So yeah. yes, yes so if people can go to the comment section and click on the link, then they'll be able to stay in touch with me. Fantastic. All right. Thank you. Take care for now. All right, thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.